It's good to be back. For um, over 26 years, uh, well, 26 years actually on the field, we have been very blessed to have supporting churches that have been faithful and kept us on. Uh, there have been a few come and go, but by and large, our supporters have been faithful from the beginning. And I, one day I'd like to do the research and see the average of, of how long churches support missionaries, uh, but we just have never had to worry every time that we came back to have to raise more support. And we, we'd get a little bit more now and then, and we would have to do, but we never had to stay longer to raise support. Uh, like many missionaries do, and so and and this church is one of those longtime faithful supporters, and we want to thank you for that. Well, uh, we want to begin with a, just a little bit of a video that kind of sums everything up. Uh, it helps me to stay within a time limit because I could get going, and you might be here a while. So just look at the video; kind of sums up the last several years of ministry in both Ukraine and, and Bulgaria. In October 1997, we, along with our 10-year-old son Nathaniel and 8-year-old Andy, landed in the far country of Ukraine. The city of Kharkiv was our home for the next 16 years, and this is where God allowed us to work with Ukrainian nationals planting churches, organizing children's summer camps and church camps, teaching English, conducting Bible studies, and various other ministry efforts. It was our great joy to see precious souls come to Christ, believers baptized, and young Christians grow in their spiritual walk. In June of 2013, having no indication of the political turmoil which would begin before the end of the summer, we, nevertheless, felt God's call to leave our young church plant in the hands of local leadership and to step out by faith to open the country of Bulgaria for ABWE. Although geographically close and with a similar culture and language as we had known in Ukraine, Bulgaria offered unique challenges and demanded new methods and approaches to ministry. We lived and served in the historic city of Veliko Turnival to establish the first Baptist church in the history of this city. In time, God graciously supplied teammates Phil and Angela Flowers to serve in the coastal city of Varna. Together, we have been working to evangelize, plant churches, and establish relationship with Bulgarian pastors and church leaders to open door for more workers to go to serve in this needy and largely overlooked country. Throughout the nine years God gave us there, we were able to operate the only Christian bookstore in north-central Bulgaria. It was used as a venue for children's outreach, women's ministries, Bible studies, and a place for our church plant to meet. In time, we were able to register as an officially recognized Christian publisher. We had to close the bookstore upon our departure, but the small church group continues to meet in a member's house under the leadership of a pastor from another city. The publishing house we founded, Nachalo Namudursta, or Beginning of Wisdom Publishers, continues with a Bulgarian director, one of the most prolific and capable translators in Bulgaria. We will continue to work with him to translate and publish Christian books and literature 
to be used by pastors and church planters and to help church members learn, grow, and bear fruit. The past nine years in Bulgaria have not been without challenges, but we're thankful for the opportunities the Lord has given us. As we look ahead, David hopes to help pastors and churches with pulpit supply and to keep a missionary vision alive in the churches that he visits, encouraging young, capable people to serve as missionaries in Bulgaria, Eastern Europe, Central Asia, or wherever the Lord may lead them. Penny will continue on a part-time basis working in ABWE's member care department. This vital ministry provides missionaries with the spiritual and emotional support they need to be effective as they serve, extending their effective years of service on the field. Her focus will be to help single women missionaries and support MK education. It has been our great joy to serve the Lord overseas for these many years, but we must end with an appeal to you. Search your hearts. Perhaps God may have a place for you in missions. Opportunities abound the world over to share the gospel as part of an established missionary team. In our own region of Eastern Europe and Central Asia, there is an enormous need for church planters and Bible teachers. In Central Europe, we have two schools, one that was started to meet the needs of missionary families, but which now also has many students from the host country. The other began as a STEM school to teach the local young people, but which has opened doors for the gospel and the local Muslim culture. Both operate in English, and there is always a need for teachers. There is also a great need for doctors, nurses, computer specialists, web designers, and many other professions. There is a place for you to participate in the work that God is doing in Central and Eastern Europe and the Central Asian Republics, places with great missionary teams, teams who need you. Of course, we are partial to our own region, but there are needs in every corner of the globe which you can fill. If you feel God may be calling you, or if you simply wish to learn more about world missions and the work of ABWE, ask us and we'll be glad to help. Finally, thank you for partnering with us. We are grateful to all those who have prayed and given sacrificially to make our 25 years of ministry possible. You share in the blessing and the reward. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. I want to ask Penny to say a few words if she can use the hand. Uh, I really like this big screen. Uh, some of the churches that we go to get a little postage stamp up there and people in the back are trying to... The problem with it is it really shows up how blurry some of our slides are uh, because... Uh, but that is, that's great. I wish I were disciplined enough to have the old-fashioned click, click, missionary slides, and just tell stories about all those people. And Because every, every slide in there, I'm thinking, oh, I wish I could tell them about this or tell them about this. Uh, but we would be here all night if we did that. Um, I, before we do anything else, though, I'm going to ask if Penny will come. 
and uh, just to give you a, an idea of what she's going to be doing with the mission, uh, I am going to be off on my own, uh, officially retired, but uh, trying to uh, do some work in our home, our local church, and uh, filling pulpits in the area around our home. But Penny will still be the, with the mission, so Penny, tell us about what you plan to be doing. Yes, I am very excited that I get to continue on. A lot of people say, wait, he retired, but you're still with the, how does that work? And um, I just decided I was too young to, <laughs> to retire yet. And um, so I'm very excited for the door, which um, the Lord opened for me to join uh, the member care department of our mission. And this department helps to encourage missionaries who are on the field, um, also those preparing to go. We um, are there for prayer, for support, for counseling, and all these different things. And so uh, when I asked to join, and when I was telling people that I was, I was looking into member care, one of my friends, who happens to be single, said, you should do singles because there used to be a single um, group, but they had the leader had quit many years before, and um, they felt like they needed someone else. Uh, but as it turns out, a married woman could not be the head of singles. But as the Lord was working, um, he had already been working in the heart of a single lady who would like to lead that ministry. And so she and I got to start at the same time. And I just love the Lord's timing that he opened that up. And um, so I will be, and I already have been, working with single lady missionaries. And we have one-on-one um, -on -one times, mostly through um, Zoom or Facebook or um, some other type of of platform, and uh, we um, talk and we have prayer times, and and, and um, the last prayer time, one of the ladies was um, giving a request, and it had to do with uh, relationship on the field, and the way she described it, I thought, that very same thing happened to me on the field, and I, I wasn't excited that she had that problem, but I was excited <laughs> Um, to think about the ways that the Lord could use me because of the experiences he had given to me. And so I wrote her and let her know that I was available to talk and would be praying about that. And so um, I'm just really excited. Also, I'm helping my sister-in-law, who happens to be head of MK Education in member care. And um, I am assisting her with her work and we've already made a trip to Togo West Africa where we spent a week um, testing missionary kids to to help the parents to know if the education they're getting on the field is what is needed to keep them uh, where they need to be um, educationally so I'm excited for all the doors um, that the Lord is opening in the way that I'll be able to continue serving uh, no, I don't need that, do I? Uh, how many times have we heard about uh, young missionary uh, couples or families uh, spend three or four years uh, raising support to go to the field? They'll get to the field. They'll spend a year or two years working hard to catch, 
get the language, and and then a year or two, just getting just getting started with some some ministry on the field, and some problem arises either in their first time on the field or the first first time they come back uh, to do home ministry, and they're pre- prohibited from returning for a second term and they have spent all of this time in preparation more time in preparation than they did actually in ministry and didn't get to go back many of the, many of those times a person with the right experience or the right advice or a proper connection could have stepped in and have made it possible for those that family or that, that couple or that, that individual to stay on the field and be effective for an entire career on, on a mission field. And so I'm excited because that's what Penny's going to be able to do. Uh, and uh, she, of course, is much younger than I, and so she is, still has uh, some good years left to, to serve the Lord with the mission. Uh, pray for me as I get to, to uh, have the freedom to go different places to to fill pulpits and to and to help out in churches, especially smaller churches with pastors, bivocational pastors who sometimes just need a break. And so uh, the Lord's got plenty for us to do, uh, and uh, we just covet your prayers over for for what what's coming next for us. Um, I would like to uh, just give a little overview. You got a little overview from those pictures uh, about. Uh, we get a lot of people asking about Ukraine, of course. Ukraine is in the news. Uh, and uh, I would say we have not been back. We've been back to Ukraine twice since we left in 2013, right? But it's been uh, five or six years since the last time we were back in Ukraine. And, of course, we haven't been back since the uh, beginning of the, of the, of the war here. Uh, the war began on my birthday, in 2020, I'll always remember February 24th was the day that, that the news broke. Uh, and we, of course, been following that very closely. Uh, and everywhere we go, we get a lot of uh, questions about that. I'll say that uh, on one hand, we have no more news about it than you do. Uh, we have some friends that will hear a few things, but uh, we don't know, have any real inside information uh, to go on. Uh, but we can tell you that some of the people that we left behind are are still being faithful and still uh, still reaching out to other people. Our our little church in the city of Kharkov, uh, you probably remember that 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 probably rings a bell. The city of Kharkiv, uh, early on in the conflict, was was one of the key targets and was really hard hit. Um, and this is where we lived and where we had a church uh, planted there. And uh, early on, our, our church had to cease services. The, our church was about, about 200 yards from the main downtown city bus station. And uh, bombs and missiles were falling all around. It was not hit, uh, but our, our people were scattered out into uh, surrounding areas around the city. And some actually immigrated to other places in Europe. One family from our church um, ended up with us in Bulgaria. Uh, we got a, an email and said, hey, we don't have anywhere to go. Could we come and stay with you there? In, and so we were able to, to help them find a place to live. And they 
became uh, regulars at our church, even though they didn't understand Bulgarian. Uh, and, uh, and we had pretty much forgotten our Russian, so it was really kind of comical when we would get together. We would, we would try to remember our Russian and then turn around and go back, and now we got to shift gears again and go back into Bulgarian. Oh. So it was, a, it was a trial, but it was kind of fun for us. Um, but we rejoice to be able to report that some of our people, though, that, though our church is no longer meeting together in the same place, some of our people have scattered into other places and are serving the Lord in different churches, some in different countries. Uh, some of the, the faces that we sh- you saw in some of these pictures, we could tell you about some of the kids that were in uh, the kids' camp when we were there, and it's been 15 to 20 years ago. Uh, some of those guys today are driving vans out near the front lines of the conflict, taking humanitarian aid and preaching the gospel. And so um, this conflict has brought revival to Ukraine. And so um, continue to pray for Ukraine. Continue to pray for our country uh, as there's, con- there's controversy. Should we be sending aid to Ukraine and should we be involved at all? And, and what is the fallout and what is the potential for problems? And God knows. <laughs> uh, but pray for Ukrainian believers. Pray for, I- I'm sure I could easily, with, without any fear, say thousands of people who, Ukrainians, who heard the gospel under the ministry of, of not just us, but many, many missionaries who are no longer there, thousands of people who rejected the gospel, who today are having to think twice about that. Pray for those people that they will finally come to Christ. And uh, I told our people uh, just, just, I guess, near the end of last year, about right around Christmas time in Bulgaria, uh, maybe the Bulgarian church ought to be, begin to pray for war. That sounds like a terrible thing to suggest, but it has awakened a revival in Ukraine, and Bulgaria needs a similar revival. And so, uh, Lord, we pray that it doesn't take war, but send something to break through the cold hearts of people in Bulgaria. Uh, the greatest contrast that we noticed between Ukraine and Bulgaria, I tell people it was hard to live in Ukraine, but it's hard to minister in Bulgaria. Uh, we, we missed a lot of things that we couldn't buy in Ukraine. We couldn't get tortilla chips, of all things. And, and you know, we would, we would, whenever we would come home, we especially, I bought... Some, you know, remember the, the, the Samsonite luggage that they used to gorilla would throw around in the, and it was tough and it was a hard shell? I bought one of those at Goodwill specifically so I could carry back tortilla chips and they wouldn't get crushed in Ukraine. Th- those are the kind of trials that we had. And you, uh, I'm kidding a little bit. It was, there, was a, there were things that we just couldn't get that we really longed for. Uh, there were a lot of conveniences that, that we, we didn't have there. Life was a little bit less than, than luxurious in Ukraine. 
but we never had a lack of people to talk to, people who would come to our services, people who would come to listen to the gospel. Uh, people in Ukraine were, by and large, receptive to the gospel. Well, when we had in, in 20, actually it started about 2010, 2011, we began to realize that our church there in Ukraine was ready to be on its own. It was time for us to leave, and uh, we were going to move on. And we prepared our people and said, it's, we're not going to stay here forever. It's time for us to go somewhere, somewhere else and do this. And uh, I'll, I won't tell you the long story of how the Lord led us to go to Bulgaria. Uh, but uh, I'm officially a senior, and I'm having a senior moment right now. I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> uh, but uh, our people in, in our church in Ukraine were prepared for us, ready for us to leave. And then we thought as we headed for, for Bulgaria, and we arrived in Bulgaria in February of 2014, uh, and we're ready to begin there, our idea was to do the same kind of ministries that we'd done in Ukraine and uh, that, that attracted people and we were able to, to have people come in to hear the gospel and none of that worked. Uh, and, and I could go on for a long time about why and, and all the reasons for that, but we, we, had to, we had to sit down and say, Lord, how are we going to reach people here they're not interested in? And the big thing was English language in Ukraine. Um, People here don't seem to be interested. We advertised and started an, uh, an English or an American club. And the invitation was just come on in and we'll talk about everything American. You can practice your English and we can help you out with you learning your English. And, we, and in Ukraine, that was great. People would say, oh, yeah, Americans, let's go listen to what they have to say. We, we did that for four months. Two weeks, we had one person. One per and there was never a person who came back a second time. And it was just, Lord, this is just not working here. And uh, it was, uh, we had already begun the bookstore uh, that you saw pictures of. And so uh, we, were, we were glad to have that avenue. People would come in to buy uh, English books. And I think, I'm sure we brought some from here. I know we brought... Brought some from uh, River Cities down the road. They had supplied us with suitcase full of books, and we took them back and sold English books. Uh, and part of our bookstore was Bulgarian religious books, uh, uh, Christian books. We found out there was not a big market for that. But it was available. For, most people came in, and they would buy those English books, and we would have an opportunity to, to reach them through that. So there was a little door that was open there, and the bookstore was a place for us to meet, and it was a point of contact in the community where we could, uh, we had a legitimate face there, and it, we were not, and someone, someone uh, early on said, missionaries that work, what a, what a concept, because they had seen missionaries who came in and the people only ever saw them in the restaurants eating a fancy meal and they had never seen missionaries who actually did some kind of work. And so uh, the Lord was used that uh, as we reached out to people in Bulgaria. But um, I say all of this to say 
the soil was just much harder and much drier in Bulgaria. And we had quite a bit less uh, uh, response to the work that we did, the ministry there. So pray for Bulgaria. Our, maybe one of our, our, our strongest desires is that we would be able to find young people who were willing to go back to take our place where, that we left in Bulgaria. Uh, the kind of people who are, have an aptitude and a willingness to work hard to learn a difficult language and to stay at it and to work in a language sometimes for a few years just to be accepted enough to get an audience. Um, we're not asking people to go do an easy job. Uh, people, I'll be very honest with you, people uh, uh, sometimes give us a lot of sympathy. How could you go and live in a place like that? Bulgaria is a beautiful country. Uh, you, the pictures don't do it. Bulgaria is the size of Ohio, but we have world-class skiing in the, in the mountains in the south. We have world-class beaches on the Black Sea. We have historical sites. Uh, we, have, we have lots of caves. We have a cave that was not 45 minutes from our house that, in my book, is more spectacular, at least in the entrance, than Mammoth Cave. I mean, and, and, and we had all kind of things, and we could get tortilla chips in Bulgaria, and, and just everything, and life was nice. It was a good place to live, nice climate, beautiful country. The hardship in Bulgaria was dealing with the hard hearts of people. So we're not trying to recruit people to an easy job. Uh, I, I appreciate the song that we sang, uh, Stand Up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey, forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Uh, we're trying to convince people that it's worth giving your life on a spiritual battlefield. So pray with us as we, as we reach out and try to communicate that to young people. I could tell you, we, we have openings in the two schools that we, we showed on the, on the screen. Um, and um, we've been able to recruit a couple of teachers to go and fill in positions there. And many of the teachers at both of those schools uh, will go for one or two years and on a short-term short basis. And the ministry is in English. You don't have to learn a, a foreign language. Uh, just experienced teachers. Uh, and uh, that's something that, that we would like to recruit people to come to. But we also want to recruit some young people who will give their life in ministry. My personal prayer, and this is maybe this is the biggest, the biggest dream of all, um, someone who has an aptitude for language, who would prepare in a, in a Christian school, especially for ministry with Muslims. People don't think of Bulgaria as a Muslim country, but about 20% of the population are Muslim Turks because Turkey forms the southern border of Bulgaria. Uh, and Istanbul, I think I might have mentioned this the last time, Istanbul is the fifth largest city in the world. It's a Muslim city. And it's 
four hours' drive from where we lived in Bulgaria, less than an hour from the, bo- the southern border. It's my prayer that we, could be, we would be able to contact and, and, and communicate a burden to a young couple who has a, a background in theology, training to reach Mus- the Muslim world, and the willingness to go to Bulgaria to learn not one, but two languages, Bulgarian and Turkish, and reach into the Muslim world through Turkey. Turkey's not easy to get into, but Bulgarian Turks who have yet to be saved, Bulgarian Turks could go into their, back into their home country with ease and from there reach many places in the Muslim world. That's, that's one of my dreams is to, is to be able to uh, recruit someone into a ministry like that in Bulgaria. Otherwise, someone who would come and, and take, over, take up where we left off, off uh, in a church in our, in our town of Veliko Turnover or other cities in Bulgaria. Well, I want to take just a few minutes to turn your attention to one scripture passage in the Old Testament. It's probably not, uh, not the most common thing to, to hear a missionary theme come from the Old Testament. But I want to turn your attention to Isaiah chapter 45 just to read a few verses and um, point out some things here. And in just the next few minutes, Isaiah chapter 45, um, in the previous few chapters, Isaiah has been talking about idolatry, and uh, he's going to bring it all to, to a head right here in the chapter 45. And uh, so let's begin reading in verse 17. I just want to read a few verses here to you. Uh, it says, But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. Now, I think probably uh, here uh, you would be right on the same page with me uh, with uh, a premillennial dispensational view of Scripture and prophecy, which includes the foundational fact that Israel and the church are two separate entities. Okay? We, 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 we're, we're together on that. And we have to be careful in the Old Testament when we read the promises and commands uh, to Israel. Those, that is not necessarily for the church. But I would think, uh, I think you also would agree with me to say that whenever we see commands and promises to Israel, there is an application for the church. And I believe even a principle that forms the foundation for missions. So let's continue in verse 18. Thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. There's what he says. He says, I am the Lord and there is none else. More than any other fact, This is the reason why we do what we do. This is why God calls couples and families to spend years traveling around the country, raising support. 
they go across the ocean to some exotic, uh, maybe less than a desirable place to live. They'll spend a year or two years or even more learning a difficult language. Why do we do all of this? Why do churches spend as much money as they do to send people to do this work there? It's because God says, I am the Lord and there is none else. And we're going to see this phrase repeated several times, not just in this passage, but in the next several chapters in Isaiah. Verse 19. Well, uh, back up just a second. In verse 18, we see the God of creation. He's the one that created it all. And he has the right to say, I'm the Lord. There is none else. Verse 19. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. He said, I haven't been hidden to you. This has been in the open. This has all been revealed. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. I was just talking just a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were while we were still running Awana before the Awana season closed, but I was talking to a couple of four, fourth graders in Awana explaining this term righteousness. I mean, that's not an everyday term in the lang language of a fourth grader. So well, what is this all about? Well, it's, it gives the definition of righteousness right here. It says, I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Well, that's easy to say. If it comes from God, it is the truth. Verse 18, we saw he's the God of creation. In verse 19, we see he's the God of truth. Um, some, some, well, I shouldn't say some, most of you here uh, grew up in the, more or less in the same time when I grew up, and we had this thing called truth. And we thought, we were always taught, silly us, we were always taught that something's either true or it's not true. It's either the truth or it's a lie, cut and dried, black and white. Well, we didn't know that truth is just relative. We didn't know that your truth and my truth may be different. You know, so this is the kind of philosophy we're bombarded with today, isn't it right? But God said, no, no, I am the God of righteousness. I declare things that are right. Let's go on verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge. He's going to get back on idolatry now. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray into a God that cannot save. People say, why, are you go why do you go all the way on the other side of the world to talk to these people? They have their own religion. Yes, they do. But I come back to Isaiah 45. And I say, the Lord says, there is none else. Tell them, in verse 21, tell ye, bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. And then Isaiah asks, or actually God asks some questions, kind of rhetorical questions. It makes me think of the book of Job when God is grilling Job in the end of the book. It says, uh, who has declared this from the ancient time? Who has told it? From that time, have I have I not I the Lord? He said, "Listen, 
And, and this is not God saying, I told you so. No, no, it's God pleading. I've been trying to get you to see this truth from the very beginning. And he says, have not I the Lord, the God of creation, the God of righteousness? And there, here it is again. There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. He's not just the God of creation. He's not just the God of truth. He's the God of salvation. And there is no other. I believe verse 22 is at the very, the very heart of missions. God says, Look unto me and be ye saved. Who? All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. I hope somebody here is, is thinking with me of John 14, 6. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's enough. But he finishes with another thought. No man comes to the Father but by me. If we can't grasp, if we can't get a hold of the exclu absolute exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're wasting our time. If it's not true, if there is any other way, then Penny and I have wasted the last 26 years of our lives. Uh, indeed, all of the missionaries at this church. In fact, this church itself is just a waste of time. But we believe what it says here. We believe when Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. And the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what drives missions. And I hope we get a, a good handle on this. He says, I have sworn, verse 23, I've sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto my, oh boy, unto me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear, and you ought to be thinking of Philippians chapter 2, right? That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow because he's the only Savior. And we could go on into, into chapter 46. I really love chapter 46. Look at verse, if you're right there, it's on the other, just on the other page. God says, remember the former things of old, for I am God. Here it is again. <laughs> I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Look what he does. In the context of what has been happening in the last two years, and, and especially what's happened in Ukraine, and it hits so so close to home for me and Penny. But he says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In, verse 40, in chapter 45, we saw he's the God of creation, he's the God of truth, he's the God of salvation. Chapter 46, he's the God of history. He's the author, and he's not making it up as he goes. He knew the end of the story before he set the pen to the paper. 
And he's sovereign in it all. And we look at the news today and we see the things, and, and, and Penny and I shake our heads and just, it's just, it saddens us to see what's going on in Ukraine. But it is an encouragement to us that, to know that God's in control. And it is, a, it is exciting to us to see that people are coming to Christ through this. And yes, it's a terrible thing. And yes, people are suffering. Yes, people are dying. But there are people who are coming to Christ through this thing. And not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and all over the world. God's in control. It's his story. He's telling it the way he wants to. And we should trust him. The thing I want to leave you with today is just please remember he's God there's none else there's no other way of salvation and that's why we go to such great lengths to send people across the world people spend years learning a language learning a, 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 a culture so that they can reach people please, please continue with the Great Commission. We, we could never claim that we're carrying out the Great Commission. Uh, we're carrying it forward, and then we're passing it on. Uh, and we're, it's our prayer that you will continue to support missionaries. And, and uh, as you have supported us for so many years, uh, continue and grow the missions program and send more. And we will all rejoice together someday when, when we hear the shout. Right? And it could be neat. could be soon. Thank you so much for so many years of faithful support, and God bless you.